0: All righty, hello, everyone. Welcome to it. It is uh, the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 6th of September. 2020 20, Happy Tuesday to you. Like, Tuesdays are like nondescript days. They are actually the days that, you know, books and music are traditionally released. So Tuesdays have that going for them. Anyway, I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. I know there's something going on with iTunes. Uh, they are off for the holidays, so hopefully we can get that resolved Soon, today, tomorrow, whenever. There are plenty of other apps. It seems to be working everywhere else. Shows up everywhere else. So check that out elsewhere. And we'll get iTunes fixed as quickly as humanly possible. So if you subscribe, it should start showing up. Hopefully hopefully soon. I don't know. I don't claim to understand what the hell is going on. They ch- I love how they're like, everything's working. Now let's change something. Let's tweak this a little bit to make it work better. And what happens is it all goes to hell like, okay, that's not really making it work better. But all right. Anyway, um, and they go, well, now everybody has to just adjust and then we'll make it work better whenever. No, you just make it work. I think these tech companies are filled with a whole bunch of people who are desperate to justify their jobs. And so they go, yeah, everybody seems to like what's going on. But if we screw with it, that'll change things a little bit, annoy everybody, loses some customers. But then eventually people will get used to it. So then we can change it again. Anyway, I don't claim to understand. I do understand that if you go to patreon.com slash DerekHunterPodcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com, you can enter to win one of the autographed books that are up for grabs this week. It is Greg Gutfeld versus Brad Thor. First editions, both. Collector's editions, probably worth a, a decent amount of money. In the Open Market but well, all you've got to do is go to the post there with the pictures of those books and uh, write in the comment section, which one you want should your name be drawn. You can write more. You can write clever little things and pleas and cries. And I'm open to bribery, but I'm not open to pleas and cries. I don't have the, the emotion to go, oh, they really want this book, don't they? Nah, unless it goes, with, oh, they really want this book, don't they? And they're handing me a pile of money. Then I, can be, I, can, I can't be bought. I can be rented that's the difference. Anyway, go and check that out and support the program. That's where you get the Weekend f and Review and all sorts of other things. Appreciate your patronage. Now let's get on with the program. There is a lot going on in the world, even though it's been a holiday weekend, and we shall cover as much of it as humanly possible and allowed by law. Two very important distinctions. As much as we can, and allowed by law, because we are nothing if not law-abiding. you sitting there and you go, where do we want to start? I'm sitting here going, where do I want to start? We talk about Joe Biden's speech and Karine Jean-Pierre's response to it, well, claiming that they don't, uh, it's not political. It wasn't political. we calling half the country a whole bunch of uh, semi-fascist dirtbags who want to destroy democracy. That's not political in any way, shape, or form. Oh, okay. That's great. And me giving the finger to Joe, that's not political at all. You ever notice that Joe Biden never challenges anybody to a push-up contest who looks like they can do a push-up? You ever notice that Joe Biden talks about, oh, I want to take Donald Trump behind the gymnasium and, uh, yeah, I'll beat him up back there. Never anybody who's challenged him on the campaign trail who uh, would be more than happy to go behind the gymnasium with Joe Biden. (laughs) they'd see hunter behind the gym shooting up or whatever but it might be the first time that uh, joe had a chance to parent paid attention to his kids but he probably wouldn't have but uh, yeah joe is one of those guys who is big and bad and talks tough until confronted until confronted it's really easy when you've got a crew of people to hold you back and everybody's seen these in the movies, and some of us have experienced these things in real life, where they go, hey, uh, yeah, I'll kick your ass, I hold me back. And then they you grab your friend, or it's a grab the guy, and they're like, ah, they're like an animal for a second, hold me back, I want to see somebody not hold anybody back. Because Joe's very good at it. Oh, if it weren't for all the Secret Service around here, I'd challenge you right now to a Marcus at Queensberry boxing match. Okay. Well, you know, the Secret Service will obey you, Joe. You could easily just order them, that, uh, provided everybody stays on the up and up and there's no kicking or biting or pulling of hair, even by you, Joe. And I know you don't want your hair pulled because those plugs didn't didn't put themselves in for free. Um. As long as everybody obeys the rules, let's let's do it. Let's go for it. And he never never goes down that road. They don't ever. People like him don't ever want to go down that road. The tougher somebody talks, the weaker they usually are. Especially when they're surrounded by armed security. You know, it's weird. Every I'm a hero. I can kick anybody's butt. Well, you you can when you got five guys who have guns and are like built like a, a brick a feces house, who uh, their whole job is to make sure nobody gets within a country mile of you who wants to do you harm. It's really easy to be super tough under those circumstances. And it's really easy to demonize the rest of the country. But you can tell that when confronted, when confronted, Joe Biden immediately crumbles like a house of cards. He crumbles like a house of cards. He said on Thursday of last week that the MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy. That's a quote. It wasn't even, I'm not even paraphrasing. You don't have to paraphrase. I mean, you just flat out say what the president said. And there it is. So then on Friday evening when he was, or afternoon when he was asked by Peter Ducey, and how sad is it? There are, I don't know, 50, 100 various different reporters and news organizations with uh, multiple reporters that rotate in and out of the White House press corps. They're there every single day. They all have the same opportunity to ask Karin Jean-Pierre, who's super historic, Joe Biden, when he's out there, they could ask him any question they want. And 99% of them ask them the same questions the same questions whereas there's one guy Peter Ducey, who goes wait a second you just how about we ask a different question how about we say hey yeah you, you know Novak Djokovic can't fly over here from Europe to play in the U.S. Open because he's not gotten the shot yet any illegal alien from anywhere around the world they're not just potentially and probably carrying COVID but they're carrying other things too measles, mumps, polio, God knows what else, across the southern border. They're welcome with open arms. And why is it that you guys get upset that these unvaccinated for just about anything human beings marching across the southern border in an invasion, in an illegal invasion, that uh, you'd say, oh, that's so inhumane that they're being put on buses and then shipped to Washington, Chicago, New York. It's inhumane. But you don't care that these petri dishes of long vanquished from the United States diseases are placed on airplanes at taxpayer expense and flown to wherever the hell they want to go. Oh, here's a seven-year-old showed up across, an unaccompanied minor, as they call it. They don't tell you it's an abandoned child because that's what it is. It's an abandoned child. Oh, in his underpants, he's got uh, four dollars and an address in Tacoma, Washington, and a phone number of of relatives there. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we'll just ship them up to Tacoma. That'll solve it. We'll call the family and we'll tell them what flight they're on and they'll meet them. Now, for my money, if you, first of all, if you send your kid, if you pay to send your kid on a 2,000 mile march, you should lose custody of your child forever and ever and ever. I don't really care the circumstances under which it was undertaken. But, you got that. 2,000 mile march, they meet them at the southern border and you don't give a damn enough to get your ass down to the southern border and meet them? You can't do that? How how pathetic are you? How evil are you? How lazy are you as a human being? Like, I, I've got to work. Oh, so you, you can't take a sick day. Even if you don't have a sick day, you don't have pay, because you're probably in this country illegally How about you just care enough to take a day off work and uh, go down and meet your kid at the border in the game of uh, human smuggling, sex trafficking Red Rover that you entered that kid into? How about that? Can you do that as a bare minimum? No, you can't. Well, then you know what? You get no child. Your child does not come. You don't get it. Sorry. (laughs) You lose. That's the way it should be. That's how it should be, but that's not how it is. Our government, under the name of compassion, ships them wherever they want to go. Oh, yeah, they're more efficient than Amazon. The Biden administration will spare no expense because it costs them directly nothing. It's our tax money to ship these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens anywhere they want to go. They are our betters. They're not like those evil MAGA Republicans who are out there uh, talking about their rights and so on and so forth. What a bunch of jerks talking about their rights. They refuse to obey. They refuse to comply. They are a threat to democracy. What with their thinking for themselves. Only a party that does not allow, frowns upon and does everything it can to discourage thinking for one's self could ever actually make that case. And that is, of course, the modern Democratic Party. But Mr. Tough Guy Joe Biden, when when he's reading a teleprompter, when he's surrounded by Secret Service and when he is never going to be questioned, boy, howdy, is he tough. These MAGA Republicans are going to get not get off my lawn, and I refuse to let anybody not get off my lawn, screamed the President of the United States at the lamppost. Well, the next day, like I said, he was asked by Peter Ducey, the only person in all of the White House press corps who bothers to think for himself. His questions aren't always genius. His questions aren't always good. But, damn it, they are never asked by anybody else. And what's amazing, even worse, for the White House press corps, is there's never any follow-up, no matter how valid the issue he brings up. The next one just goes, so the president's just going to Rehoboth Beach for the week. That's that's great, Karen. Can I come? He, oh, all right, well, call the Pulitzer people. We've got a winner for this year. Anyway, it's a little bit hard to hear this, but he asks him, does he, because uh, it just, it, joe biden turned off his microphone and everything but um and there'll be cameras clicking but Ducey asks him at the beginning of this clip it's a little long but it's, it's worth hearing the whole thing Ducey asks him does he really think that that trump supporters are a threat to democracy that's what he said in the speech Unless he's got some sort of weird definition of what MAGA means. MAGA is associated with the Trump campaign because it was their campaign slogan. Make America great again. MAGA. Uh, No, no, no. I wasn't talking about Trump supporters. I don't think any Trump supporters are. Honest to God, listen closely, but listen to the president of the United States being asked about this. And it's normally a staffer that comes out and walks back what the president said? Oh, yeah, hell yeah, we'll go to war with uh, China over Taiwan. Uh, no, we won't. We didn't really mean that, blah, blah, blah. We're going to send troops into Ukraine. We're not really sending troops into Ukraine. Usually staff are out there. It's not very often the president, any president, walks back what they said. But then you listen to this clip and you think, maybe Joe doesn't know what he said. If Joe was reading the teleprompter. There's a good possibility that he just read it. You know how sometimes you can zone out and, and uh, read something while not paying attention, or that seems to be what Joe is. Except it's dementiaing out. Here, anyway. Here is the exchange.
1: Mr. President, do you consider, Mr. President, do you consider all Trump supporters to be a threat to the country? Y'all,
0: everyone, come on. Just, that case. I don't consider any Trump supporters. A threat to the country. I do think anyone who calls for the use of violence, builds to contempt violence against you, refuses to acknowledge that an election has been won, it insists upon changing the way in which the rules become votes, that is a threat to democracy. Democracy. And everything we stand for.
1: Everything we stand
0: for rest on the platform of democracy. Uh, no, I never said that. I, uh, I think that people who question are a threat to democracy. De- questioning is a threat to democracy. That's essentially the questioning liberal orthodoxy. I'm sorry, I should say. Questioning liberal orthodoxy is a threat to democracy, to democracy. I love how the way, the way these people say it. When you get Nancy Pelosi talking about education like a retainers falling out, education, Joe Biden, about democracy, democracy. We get it, Joe. We get it. We know what you're trying to say. You're, you're full of crap, but we understand what you're trying to say. So that's less than 24 hours after he gave the speech where he said those very same people and their ideas are a threat to democracy, to democracy. <laughs> I, can't. I mean, you could make this up, but who's going to do it? Now, the president of the United States is taking to his Twitter account on, and, and tweeting out these, these random nuggets of uh, stupidity, I guess, of Bidenisms, which are a direct contradiction to what you just heard him say. He says something in a speech, then the next day he says, I never said what I just said in that speech. And then the next couple of days he's tweeting it. There's it no ambiguity. Now, he's not tweeting it. Joe Biden doesn't know how to spell Twitter, let alone use Twitter. But in the last uh, few days, on September 1st, Joe Biden tweeted, Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans are a threat to the very soul of this country. And then yesterday, Joe Biden tweeted out, MAGA proposals are a threat to the very soul of this country. Well, what is it? Is it both? There's a lot of threats to the soul of this country. What is the soul of this country, Joe? You've never actually worked in this country. You've never existed in in this country in a way that a normal human being, that a normal American has. You've always been on the government teat, if you will. Maybe you're not the best arbiter, your, your son's a crackhead, your daughter has her own problems and has accused you of molesting her in the shower when she was younger. Maybe you're not the best arbiter of what is the good in the soul of this country, unless you talk to Tara Reid about the time you allegedly tried to rape her in the halls of the U.S. Capitol when nobody else was around. Are you really the arbiter of what is the soul of the country? I don't. I don't think so. But those damn Trump and MAGA Republicans. And what the hell is a MAGA proposal? The threat to the very soul of this country. What would be that proposal, Joe? Would it be securing the southern border? Is that a threat to the very soul of this country? Hmm? Is it? I don't know. What it seems to me like he's, first of all, he's belching out fortune cookies one tweet at a time, or his staff is. But what they would like more than anything, is for some MAGA Republican to be attacked and respond violently. They really just want, they're, they're playing chicken. They want to get somebody on the right to react to the constant attacks that aren't physical. But they're also counting on the left to not get physical, to not go crazy. Well, if the left is sitting here, you know, there's another James Hodgkinson out there listening to this garbage. Which will come first, the violence or the response to the violence? The Democrats want the response to the attacks. They don't want their goon squad to attack, but they need them riled up. I I believe the President of the United States, the White House, the Democrats in general, would like nothing more, nothing more than to see some MAGA Republican lash out physically, get violent somewhere against some tolerant left-wing. Of course, there's no such thing as a tolerant left-winger. But the Biden speech, the Biden reaction, everything about the Biden administration is seemingly trying to provoke some kind of a response. Now, I've gotten some emails uh, some of them are rather conspiratorial. Some of them have, you know, they're not conspiratorial. They don't necessarily ascribe to these things, but they, they they see the possibility. And you'd almost be a damn fool if you didn't at least entertain the possibility that maybe Democrats are trying to provoke a, a Reichstag burning moment. Things don't look very good for Democrats right now in the uh, fall. That can change. They're looking better for Democrats if you just go by the polls. You can't go, the polls are showing Republicans are going to wipe up in the fall and it's great. Yes, 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 the red wave is coming. And then when polls start to change, you can't go, well, you can't really trust polls. Well, then why were you jumping for joy like a month ago about the polls, All right. You don't get to have it both ways. There is a concerted effort by the left wing and the media, but I repeat myself, the Democratic establishment, to lie and change the subject and distract from you know high gas prices, inflation, whatever. It won't work on a lot of people, but it doesn't have to work on a lot of people. It just has to work on some people, enough people. That's all that matters. So don't underestimate the ability of the media to move it. There was a time back in the... uh, you know, up until the internet age probably even a little bit later where media bias could, should they w- throw their entire weight behind one candidate, one cause, one party, whatever, where they probably could have influenced you know, 10 percentage points in the vote which makes Reagan's victories in 1980 and 1984 all the more amazing but they could have had that kind of influence. Now they can't But I believe they're still good for two to three points, percentage points, to this point. Which in a nation closely divided and a a nation where a lot of people aren't motivated to go and vote can make all the difference in the world. You're not going to flip California. They couldn't flip Texas, whatever. But they could flip a national election. They could flip certain districts and what have you through the art of manipulation. It's very easy to manipulate people. So when you don't have to flip 10% of the population, thanks to the indoctrination nation that we've created through the public education system, pop culture, and all of that, and you really only need to flip one or two percentage points, don't underestimate their ability to do that. That's why it's so important that people vote no matter what coming up in November. It's not, nothing is a foregone conclusion. Nothing is a foregone conclusion. I was, it was opening weekend for college football this weekend, and somebody put it out on Twitter. I assume they're an Ohio State fan. Somebody put out on Twitter the uh, final moments of God. I think it was it was somewhere in the nineties or the early two thousands. I can't remember when the University of Michigan lost their opening game to Appalachian State by like two points at the end of the game university of the wolverines were going for a field goal that would have won the game the field goal was blocked appalachian state went absolutely crazy the michigan fans in the big house were shocked and never spiked the football on the five yard line nothing is a foregone conclusion unless and until on paper republicans should be doing great okay but we don't live on paper On paper, the University of Michigan Wolverine should have destroyed this Div 2 or 3 college that they they gave a pity game to. But they lost to them because you don't live on paper. So as you watch this situation unfold, know that Democrats will do absolutely anything and everything they can to advantage themselves. And if that means starting a fight, if that means stirring up violence, so be it. We watched the media cover and simultaneously ignore left wing violence for a solid year in 2020. We watched that. It's mostly peaceful riots, mostly peaceful, and uh, they didn't, they chose not to show things like the uh, elderly woman store owner getting absolute hell beaten out of her on the street and and uh, rioters pummeling her with two-by-fours. They chose not to show that. There were no interviews with her or anybody, any of the other business owners who had the crap beaten out of them, uh, from their hospital beds. Nope, 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 nope. Some, Some guy pulls a knife on his girlfriend, threatens to kill her, violating a restraining order, pulls a knife on police, and he gets shot, and they cover that nonstop, and they neglect to point out the fact that he had a knife. You know, that's, that's, ju- they interview that guy at Good Morning America, went to his hotel room, or hotel, his hospital room. He's paralyzed. It's a horrible tragedy. Like, yeah, well, that's why you probably don't go at a cop with a knife, right? You don't go at a cop with any kind of a weapon. That's why you shouldn't do it. You could end up paralyzed like that. The president of the United States deifies you. Joe Biden deifies these goons. The left deifies these goons that's the world we live in we have to understand that and yeah it sucks you got to sit there and go this is crap but i'm not going to go out there and i'm not going to take the bait don't take their bait even if and this is what they're going to do if you've ever watched hockey and you see somebody going to the corner they're digging for the puck one guy will throw an elbow slash a stick at the leg uh, throw a punch whatever and they don't get a ticket. Uh, they don't get a ticket. They don't get a penalty. The referee's arm does not go up. But the guy who's getting slashed, the guy who's getting cross-checked in the, the lower back, the guy who takes the elbow to the nose or whatever, when he throws a punch back, that's when the arm goes up. Now, maybe they both get the call at that point, but more often than not, it is the retaliation that gets the, the, uh, the penalty either because the ref is terrible at their job or they didn't notice the first punch, but they noticed the punch back. That's the way the media would be if, if somebody were to strike back at these leftists. These leftists will destroy more businesses between now and November. They will attack more people. They will do what they do. People don't genuinely, generally pull back from what they've been getting away with. Antifa is still out there. There are still regular riots out in Seattle, Portland. There's still the threat of violence. Businesses have closed because of that threat of violence. People have left these cities because of those acts of violence. They just they've gotten well, they never got any coverage from the Democratic media and the right conservative media got bored with the story. Quite frankly, he's at there and you go riot in Seattle. Is this a new story? Is it an old story? I don't know. I've I feel like I've heard this song a thousand times. I'm not really interested in it. So left wing violence is passe, is boring. If there is a conservative event when there is a, a CPAC or there is a whatever you want to call it a uh, turning point, you want to say has their things. Every the Fox News has their political events and everything. They sell I can't believe they sell tickets to things like the Patriot Awards, but whatever. Uh, they have all these things, and these leftists will show up outside them. And these leftists will throw rocks, and these ref- leftists will throw eggs, and these leftists will throw racial slurs and everything, and they'll get away with all of it. But the second somebody does something back is when the media will notice violence today outside of the uh, CPAC thing as conservative activists descended on protesters. That's how it is. That's what the Democrats want. They want that because they can monetize that and they can also weaponize that. They can use that. Look at what they did with COVID. Oh, we we can't have... uh, Regular elections because of COVID. Well, if there's a threat to democracy, a physical threat to the physical well-being of Democrats out there, and they'll just couch it as to people, all oh, there's these horrible threats to people, then we have to double down on the number of absentee ballots, ladies and gentlemen. See how that works? It's a game. Joe Biden is trying to pick a fight. Joe Biden will challenge somebody to a push-up contest, but somebody he knows just by looking at them, that he can beat a guy in a wheelchair, a World War II veteran. Hey, you want to go to a push-up contest? He'll never challenge a 35-year-old guy in tip-top shape to a foot race, to a fight, to anything, because he knows what he's doing. It's all to appear tough. It's all to appear to care. It is symbolism over substance, as the great Rush Limbaugh used to say and point out. That's where Democrats live. They're trying to provoke a fight. You sit there and you go, "Why do these Democrats what are they doing? Why would the president give a speech like that? Do you really think the president believes that crap? No, the president doesn't believe that crap. He's senile and stupid, but he's been around too long to recognize that he's that's this is not the reality of the world. He's counting on his goon squad to not know that. He's counting on his supporters to live in the world of his mind of their construction and act accordingly and they probably will but more often than not he's hoping to get a reaction so that then he can point and say see I told you I warned you about this. Now we have to take extraordinary measures. Now, in order to secure people's rights to vote, because they are now intimidated and afraid to go to the polls, we have to have more absentee ballot. We must pass the John Lewis Voting Act because of blah blah blah, this that and the other thing, and uh, that's not by accident. None of this is by accident. That speech—you sit there and you go, this is a stupid speech. It was a stupid speech for the vast majority of Americans. No conservative Republican is going to hear that and go, well, now I've, I've changed my mind. And no Democrat is going to hear that and go, I think he's gone too far. He's not speaking to the American public. He's speaking to that 1% to 3% of people that he needs to flip to maintain his power. That's it. That's all. And he's trying to provoke other people to help him in that cause he's trying to provoke conservatives to react negatively to help him in that cause don't fall for it in other news i want to talk to you about a scourge that is sweeping the nation ladies and gentlemen they're everywhere as a matter of fact i'm talking about roads i'm not talking about regular roads i'm talking about racist roads roads are you probably did not realize that roads could be racist but that's why I'm here. I am. Um, I'm hypersensitive to these things. I'm. I'm a giver. I'm a feeler. That's just how I work. <laughs> I can't joke. There's an MSNBC segment. I swear to God, about how car crashes, car crash deaths, are racist. They're all part of the racist cabal in ra- roads are of course racism and you sit there and you go what in the hell is wrong with people and well this is your brain on progressivism there's an msnbc weekend host i think he's a weekend host called jose diaz balart and it's on jose diaz balart reports (laughs) i I guess the advertisers were not uh, all that into the uh the name game, or the uh, they didn't do much market reading. How about we just call it Jose Diaz report? Bellart reports like wow, it just flows off the tongue the way vomit does. Anyway, they had a guest on a guy named uh, what's his name? Where did his name go? Calvin Gladney, he is president of Smart Growth America. Smart Growth is just a liberal code word for they want to be able to control what you can do, what you can build, how you can manage your private property. And uh, it's it's racism. It's just straight up racism. Well, it turns out that roads are the real racists. <laughs> I kid you not. Because a new report by the National Safety Council, reported in the New York Times. And uh, you can tell it was a slow news day over the weekend that they bothered to talk about this garbage. Reported that, and I love the way the left is everything about this, it's a disproportionate number of black people were dying in passenger vehicle deaths, meaning either in car accidents, I think it's mostly in car accidents, or run over. Passenger vehicle deaths, which is a meaningless statistic, unless you know, and they break down. But they don't break down this number. But you should break down how many people are dying in car accidents because they're in the car and how many people are being hit by cars. But this assumes that everybody is being hit by cars. I assume it is uh, they're being driven by MAGA people, according to MSNBC. I want you to listen to Calvin Gladly of Smart Growth America explain why it is... All this is to do with racism.
1: And it shows uh, a particular epidemic of traffic deaths, pedestrian fatalities in this country. And it's unique to the United States. Um, 6,500 people um, died in 2020 walking um, and being struck and killed. Those numbers are a two-third increase over the last decade. Uh, and as a matter of fact, 2021 data is showing things are getting worse. But getting to your point, Unfortunately, we see disproportionate deaths in Black, Latinx, Latino, um, and low-income communities. As a matter of fact, Blacks were two times as likely as non-white, non-white Hispanics to die um, while walking in their neighborhoods. Um, so it's an epidemic. It's having disproportional effects on Black and brown communities, but it is a solvable one, and we, should, we can talk about those solutions.
0: Roads are racist, racism, racism everywhere, but somehow there's a disproportionate, disproportionate. So would it make you happy if more white people died? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I don't understand. Of non-white Hispanics, twice as many as non-white Hispanics. Wait, so then you're, are you upset that black and brown people aren't dying at the same, like black people are dying, but brown people aren't? Like, what is the point here? And you, The statistic, the chart that they put up on the, The street on the the screen here says uh, rates of U.S. passenger vehicle deaths, 2019. Blacks, eight point two one per one hundred thousand. Latino or Latinx. I don't know why. You can tell a lot about this guest that he uses the term Latinx that nobody uses. No real people to use. Is six point eight one per one hundred thousand. Good old evil whitey, right? Six point three three per 100,000. God, Whitey's just the worst. How, Whitey obviously set up these roads to be racist, to kill black and brown people and protect white people, right? I mean, they're not doing a super bang-up job to protect white people versus Hispanic people, but that's beside the point. And then there's a, a fourth chart graph, a bar up there on there that nobody throughout this entire segment addresses. And you'll notice it's kind of glaring in a second. But the, the fourth line is Asian. Now, black, 8.21 per 100,000. Latino, 8 point, or 6.81. White, 6.33. Asians, 1.42. So not, not getting hit by cars at any kind of rate or hurt in car accidents are Asian people, which if the roads are racist and there's racism behind this, Seems a little bit weird. Unless there's Asian people planning the roads going, we're going to kill them all, right? Maybe there's something else at play. Maybe there's something else at play. Maybe it's attitudes, whatever. But listen to uh, Jose Diaz-Balart. Give these statistics that I just gave you uh, just about blacks and whites. That's it. He skips the Hispanics and he ignores completely Asians who are not getting killed per 100,000 really at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, when we look at that graphic, I mean, when you look at just the the disproportionate number of African-Americans that die, I mean, 8.21 per 100,000 compared to whites at 6.33. I mean, how can this be helped? How can we how can we help fight this?
0: How could we help fight this? Like, like there are cars roaming the streets uh, themselves. If you don't lock your car in your garage at night, your car may be out roaming the streets trying to run over black people. He skips Latinos who are doing significantly better than uh, than blacks as well. He just skips. He, he's Latino. So he rises. Well, forget it. Uh, let's just ignore that. It's inconvenient, like everything else that left does. It, well, if it's inconvenient, it might as well not happen. It doesn't matter how true it is. It doesn't matter how real it is. It doesn't matter, whatever. It does, they don't care. Like ah, screw it. Let's skip the Latinos. It's it's blacks against whites in liberal mindset. So that's it. Somehow there has to be a massive conspiracy theory because there's almost two fewer white people per 100,000 white people being killed in car accidents and pedestrian accidents than black people it has to be racist of course this idiot guest is more than happy to play along but uh, jose diaz doesn't care that there's you know 1.6 or 7 fewer hispanics killed than black people doesn't, doesn't care about that and that there is like i don't know seven fewer asians compared to everybody else they just ignore all of that and make it black against white because that's the liberal narrative. That's where the left wing lives. And then Calvin Gladney comes back with more.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. And some of it goes back to history. And I know uh, as uh, a person from Fort Lauderdale, as I understand, maybe living in Miami now, um, part of this has to do with the history of where we put highways in our country. Um, the interstate highway system essentially was built out through black and brown neighborhoods around the country in the 50s and 60s. And these kind of race-based, if not racist, decisions often put high-speed, wide roads through black and brown communities.
0: High-speed, wide, freeways. He's talking about freeways. You have to make a concerted effort to walk across the freeway. You have to. They are barriers. A lot of them in urban areas are elevated or recessed so as to differentiate them because they go under or over the surface streets. And you have to choose to not go uh, across the bridge to cross the freeway and decide to hop a couple of barriers and go if, if this is in fact the case. But this is insane and wildly stupid. Roads are racist. Oh, they decided to put them through black and brown. No, they decided to have freeways going in and around cities and around suburbs and everything like that. And black people lived in cities. They go through white suburbs, too. I swear to God, I've taken them to white suburbs. But that doesn't help the liberal narrative. So they just pretend it doesn't. They just pretend that this is racist. A road is racist. That people walk across freeways is somehow racist. When... It's really just stupid. It doesn't matter what color you are. So roads are racist. Everything is racist. Oh my goodness, there are not enough white people going in. Everybody's ignoring the fact that Asians, what are Asians doing? How is it that Asians, if roads are racist, how is it that Asians are escaping it? And especially like, I'd get it if it were, Rhodes would be racist if it were black people dying at a high rate, Latinos dying at a high rate, Asians dying at a high rate. Meanwhile, whitey is not dying at a high rate. I'd get it. Well, that does seem a little bit weird and racist. But maybe it's not racism if Asians are the lowest in the uh, number of people dying per 100,000 by a lot, by a lot, like five per 100,000 over white people. 7 per 100,000 over black people. Maybe there's something else at play. Can't entertain that idea. Will not entertain that idea. Calvin Gladney will not entertain that idea. And Jose Diaz-Balart doesn't even acknowledge any of this stuff. And so part of
1: what we can do, is probably two things that we need to do that are counterintuitive, but really are the answer, and it's shown in our report. The first is to focus on street design. Right now, our streets are designed for speed, the speed of the car traveling, but not the safety of anybody not in the car, hmm. um, whether you're a pedestrian, whether you're a biker, or you're just mama bear rolling a stroller. <laughs>
0: streets, your freeways. He started off complaining about freeways. All right, Roads are, Streets are designed for, for driving. Streets are designed for cars. That's why they exist. They're not designed for protests, for morons to go out there and glue themselves to or anything like that. They are designed for cars because that's where they go. Sidewalks are designed for people. Crosswalks are designed for people. When it comes to freeways, there is no design for people. You're not supposed to be taking a, a nice little stroll. And, oh, well, what if you want to get to the other side? What if you're uh, the chicken trying to cross the road? Well, That's why God created crosswalks. That's why God created pedestrian bridges. That's why God created regular bridges. But that's all racist because there aren't enough of them, apparently. Apparently, black people, according to this guy and uh, the host... They couldn't possibly be expected to walk to the next major intersection to cross a, a freeway. They've got to hop down over the freeway and then hop over the jersey wall, run to the middle of the thing, then jump over that, and then get up and it's and do it with a baby stroller or something, apparently. I don't know what planet these people live on, but there comes a certain point where the person playing in traffic becomes responsible for what they're doing. Does it not? Does it not like if you're out there rolling around in traffic? All those uh, didn't happen very often, miraculously, but it did happen on occasion where the BLM Antifa mob would take to the freeways, and on there, I think it was in Seattle. There was some some footage of these idiots out there on a freeway at a blind curve at night with no very little streetlights lights and people were filming them because they knew what was going to happen everybody knew what was going to happen they're out there playing Red over trying to black the whole freeway somebody comes zipping around the corner they don't have time to stop because there's these morons standing in the freeway where they're not supposed to be you don't expect to see you would you'd be surprised if you're driving down the freeway and suddenly there's a a 40-foot-tall uh, maple tree in the middle of the freeway growing through. Whoa, what the hell is it? You'd be taken aback by it because it's not supposed to be there, just like you'd be taken aback and probably ill-prepared for a line of leftist morons trying to block all lanes of traffic. The odds of you hitting them are pretty high. The uh, The responsibility for you hitting them, I would say, is nil, and I would never, if I were part of a jury, never vote to convict anybody. I'd quickly, quickly vote not guilty and move on but a couple people got hit they would fly in through the air and occasionally somebody would die like oh it's a horrible tragedy these people why are these well because you're out on the freeway all right you're out on the freeway protest on a gun range unannounced just run out onto a gun range and see how that works out for you it won't work out very well um every once in a while most of the time it'll work out fine but every once in a while, somebody won't be paying attention to your dumb ass running in from the left or the right and with a whole sign going, no justice, no peace. And they're going to shoot you. Not shoot you on purpose, but they're shooting down the range and you're going to run across their path and get shot. Is it the person shooting's responsibility? No, they're clear signs. And yet it takes a special kind of stupid to think, well, a range is where you should really be running and protesting. That same kind of special kind of stupid is when morons go out onto freeways in the dark and play Red Rover with cars. You're going to lose every single time. It's not racist. It's stupid. Go to the crosswalk. The easiest way to avoid getting hit by a train is not to play on the train tracks. That one is foolproof. The easiest way not to get hit by a car is to not walk in the streets to wait until you're at a crosswalk, wait for the lights, or if you're trying to cross a freeway, go to a bridge or go to an overpass or something. There are ways around this if you get hit, it is because you have decided somewhere nine times ninety nine times out of a hundred every once in a while, somebody'll jump the curb, all right. That one I absolve everybody of responsibility for. But otherwise, short of jumping the curb, you were where the cars are. The cars are in the road. You didn't look or whatever, or maybe the person was speeding, but you can see them coming. Don't play around in the road and your odds of being hit by a car drop significantly. Drop to almost zero. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Calvin Gladney then decides to wrap it up this way.
1: And in black and brown communities, what you see, which also has racist um, um, history to it, is a lack of pedestrian infrastructure. So you don't see sidewalks, crosswalks. Um, I hate to date myself, but it's almost like that old Atari game Frogger where you see folks running across (laughs) fast streets. Um, So there's a challenge, and particularly in black and brown communities, in urban areas and in rural areas, because of the street design and the culture of not really caring that there's been this disproportionate effect in doing
0: anything. Uh, It's just racism, especially there are no no sidewalks in black neighborhoods. I don't don't know that I've ever been to a black neighborhood that didn't have. I've never been to a poor neighborhood that didn't have sidewalks. Where I have been, we at one point rented a house in Chevy Chase, Maryland, which is very, very hoity-toity. We rented a tiny house in Chevy Chase, Maryland. And it was very hoity-toity. Big people tear. We lived in the original, the model home for the neighborhood, and they tore down all the other houses that were built on that model because. And then they built giant McMansions on those lots. So we lived in in an overgrown small house, uh, lot, and they they hadn't torn it down and built a McMansion, but everywhere else was McMansions. It was all left wingers, all wealthy liberals, and not a sidewalk to be found. I hated living there because there was no sidewalk to be found. You take the kid, we just had one kid at the time, take a kid for a walk you had to like, I'd put her on my, my shoulders and be walking on the grass on people's grasses and then you'd go around cars because they had bushes growing out it was a pain in the butt. It was not a poor black neighborhood I don't. I imagine all these white liberals, these rich white liberals would have actually passed a brick through their colon if you catch my drift had a black family moved into the neighborhood. We didn't live there all that long but boy howdy the leftists hated us because they once they found out what I did, that was it. It was over. The, the hellos stopped. The hate hey, has no home here signs started showing up. I'm like, eh, yeah, I think hate does kind of hate. rents the basement at a minimum. But there were no sidewalks in the whole neighborhood. So if you went for a walk, if you drove around there, you did see families pushing strollers down the street. You're like, this is this sucks. You people have money. Why don't you put sidewalks in? And they just had no interest in it. I used to do roofing in Detroit, all over Detroit, in the worst neighborhoods of Detroit. I never remember a place where there wasn't a sidewalk. What Calvin Gladney is talking about is people running across the streets, is people who go, I don't want to walk all the way down to the corner. I don't want to walk all the way down to the corner, so I'm going to take my chances. I've done it. I grew up on a main road. It was a five-lane road, two lanes each way and a turn lane. That was the uh, street I grew up on. It, uh, you know, you go. I don't want to go to the, to the. You wouldn't go down to the corner at the mile at eight mile, where the light was. But you could either three houses off the corner. It was impossible to not cross at the corner. But there have been plenty of times where I'm just like, well, to hell with it. I want to go across this road, this divided highway, this Grand River or whatever. And I'm going to run across it, get to the island, and then run across the other side. It happens. Is it racism that made me do it? No. We didn't get hit because we knew, hey, wait for the cars to clear. And if that means you got to kind of stand there for a while, so what? Every once in a while, somebody come and stop and slow down traffic and they'll let you pass. Now they make it law. You got to stop and slow down and let these people pass in the crosswalks. You still get idiots who go in the uh, middle of the block. Is that racism that's causing them to do that? No. No are blocks designed differently based on the ethnicity of the people living in those neighborhoods? No, because here's a little secret that Gladney and Diaz-Balart don't want to tell you about because it doesn't fit the narrative. The roads are a lot older than the families living in the houses. The roads have been around forever. If they're somehow racist, then the odds of those roads having been built in a neighborhood that has been gentrified or de-gentrified or whoever the left wants to decide it the odds the roads have been around a lot longer than that the roads just kind of formed they paved pathways that were created when they started putting up houses that's what they did It had nothing to do with evil whitey sitting there maniacally twisting their Raleigh finger style microphone going, think of this, we'll put this road here and all the black and brown people that will be hit by cars, it'll be glorious. That's not how the world works. It's how the liberal mind works. They see something and instead of saying, hey, Maybe we should tell people not to cross in the middle of a block if people are being hit, or not try to run across a freeway if people are being hit trying to cross a freeway. Instead of that, they have to find racism in it. Why? Because you can monetize racism. You can uh, create a whole political movement out of victimization. You can have a lot of control over people through these nefarious means. And that's exactly what's happening here. Neither one of these guys... Uh, give a damn about black or brown people even though they're both black or brown S- they would note hey what's going on with the asians is it that asians live in places where there are no streets is it that asians cross at crosswalks is there something else going on? that might be worth studying even from a you no know, they just they don't care it's all about white people White people have designed the roads. They're killing black and brown people. Never mind the fact that white people are dying on those roads at the, roughly the same rate as the Hispanic people. And the Asian people are just not. Never mind any of that stuff. They've got a narrative that must be fed. Period. End of story. Sick people, gross people, progressives. Let us go north of uh, the border for a moment. I don't like to go to Canada anymore. I went to Canada enough as a kid. But, um, north of the border. My God. There's nothing, nobody out there. You can't come up better than, uh, Justin Trudeau. There's really not, I realize there aren't that many Canadians. But there's gotta be somebody. I mean, just recall Wayne Gretzky back from Los Angeles. and say, Please, for the love of God. Uh, we need you. Your country needs you. Okay? Just, uh, I know you've lived in America a long time, but please, for the love of God, come back and be prime minister for a while, just so we don't have to suffer through this fool. But then Wayne Gretzky has been playing professional hockey since he's like 15 years old, so probably not the most uh, thoroughly educated person in the world. So maybe that's not the best route. Anyway, I want you to listen to Justin Trudeau because... not necessarily because of what Justin Trudeau does and certainly not because you care deeply about what goes on in Canada. Think of this as a crystal ball peek into the future. So we've got uh, Grandpa Badfinger, senile Adolf Joe Biden over there in the White House. He will be giving a speech like this or statements like this sooner rather than later, especially as the election gets closer and Democrats try to scare the hell out of people. Saying, oh, we got to vote by mail, vote by mail, vote by mail, because COVID, COVID, COVID. Be like an old monster truck rally. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. COVID, COVID, COVID. So Joe Biden will say something like this. It, It might be better phrased than Justin Trudeau. You'd like to think that a a team of speechwriters for the president of the United States would be able to come up with something better than an off-the-cuff airhead up in in, uh, Canada can come up with, but you never know. You never know. But the sentiments will be the same. And keep in mind, this is, we've got uh, double vaxxed, double boosted, uh, we've got treatments for COVID, and we've got... uh, like Paxlovid seems to be effective for older people. Monoclonal antibodies, which weirdly are unavailable in Michigan, they're not completely unavailable. They, uh, according to the guy I talked to from the uh, Munson Health System, which seems to own every hospital in north north of Lansing in in Michigan, uh, they said they have just a couple of doses in the entire system. It's very explicit. They give Paxlovid. They don't like to use monoclonal antibodies. They say it doesn't work. It's contrary to the anecdotal evidence that I had. But hell, it worked for my dad for pex So I don't know. I just – it's weird because you hear other people. I know lots of people who were like feeling absolutely like they got run over by a truck who then go get monoclonal antibodies and they feel great. Like the next day, they, they're back on the mend. So that's anecdotal. That's not science. But then there's all sorts of questions about Paxlovid too, so that are anecdotal. We shall. I just you have to trust your doctors a little bit, but don't trust your politicians. Here is Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Which, by the way, the vaccine he talks about coming out to fight Omicron has not gone through human trials yet. But they're they're just gonna. It's the one I talked about last week where they're just gonna they're just gonna push through anyway because eh, what could go wrong?
2: I think one of the most important things to remember is COVID's not done with us yet. We might want to be done with it, but it's still around. And yes, we have a lot more tools, a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge on how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. But we also know that as winter comes and as people get pushed back indoors, there is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. One of the best things we can do to prevent that wave, prevent the pressure on our healthcare systems, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates, is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. The recommendation is, you know, you should uh, be up to date in your vaccinations if you have have had a dose within six months. Everyone who has been a while since their vaccination, today's vaccination, should look at the fact that we have new vaccines coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron that will provide better protection and everyone should get out and get vaccinated. If we are able to hit that 80, 85, 90 percent of Canadians up to date in their vaccinations, we'll have a much better winter with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. But every step of the way, government's responsibility is to keep people safe, to prevent our healthcare systems from getting overwhelmed. And that's where individuals choosing to make sure they're up to date in their vaccinations with these new vaccines is going to help us all.
0: In this country, no, I can't speak for Canada, but in this country, government's purpose is to protect the rights of the American citizens, even from government. Not to keep people safe. People are supposed to keep themselves safe. People are responsible for keeping themselves safe, should they so choose. If you want to, I don't know, live a life like Hunter Biden, that's on you too. Not the role of government to keep you safe here in this country. But you can hear all the little weaselly words. We should be doing this and it will lead to and we don't want to have all the restrictions. Hmm. You want to have some, don't you? (laughs) You won't lift the ones you got. This is the guy who was seizing the bank accounts of truckers who are protesting. Oh, you have a right to protest in Canada, just not against the Canadian government when it says promise you guys, it's an emergency. I swear, I pinky swear, it's an emergency. That's what it is. It's an emergency, an emergency, an emergency. Don't worry, cede your rights to me. It's an emergency. And he's trying to go back to the well with the, this winter we're going to see more cases and we got to make sure that we don't see the hospitals being overwhelmed. So get your shots and be prepared. Now, Canada has a high rate of vaccinations. In fact, most countries have a pretty high rate of vaccinations and communities have higher. It's not a vaccination. It's just that's the common terminology. A mild, temporary mild immunity boosters, likely mild immunity boosters would be the way to refer to it. There are a lot of places where the uptake is rather high. And yet there's still spread. There's community spread. There's spread within hospitals, spread within nursing homes, spread everywhere. It does not seem to have... Now, maybe the mortality rate has decreased. Maybe that's because of the shots. Who knows? It could be because the the virus has mutated to something significantly more contagious, but significantly less fatal. We don't know. Like I told you, when I had it, the doctor said... This strain seems to be centered in the nose, and the sinuses, rather than the lungs, which is good. That's what you want. You, You can blow your nose. You can clear your throat. But you can still breathe, right? As clogged as your nose is, you can still breathe through your mouth. If your lungs are clogged, it doesn't matter that your nose is clean because your body's not going to be able to absorb the oxygen necessary. So just to illustrate, to get back to the data as we have it, as best we have it, Since it's a seven-day rolling average, as you see, these Western governments in the United States, Canada, they don't don't care enough to order the absolute data collection that they used to have with everyday totals. They don't want that because it makes them look bad. So instead, we have the seven-day rolling average. Last year, the seven-day rolling average number of new cases was 161,004 for September 4th, 2021. This year, it's eighty-four thousand seven hundred and seventy. A significant drop of about fifty percent. It's good. The seven-day average of deaths last year: one thousand five hundred and forty-six versus five hundred and twenty-eight. A third, half, and a third. Things are going in the right direction. Sorry, Justin. Lastly, today I want to uh, just talk about the. When we talked about the disconnect up in Canada. Now let's talk about the disconnect over in Europe. Europe right now, particularly Germany, is in really rough shape. They're really in rough shape. They are um, they're looking at a situation where a lot of people are not going to be able to heat their homes. this winter, they're cutting down trees, they're making so-called biomass. Biomass, which is chopping up trees into uh, wood chips to burn to heat their homes, they they don't have the gas, they don't have the electricity. Germany has unilaterally disarmed itself, so to speak, when it comes to energy, and they did so at a time when uh, they really shouldn't have, because Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, and now they've imposed a whole bunch of sanctions. Now the people over in Germany. Much like a lot of the people here in this country go, I don't I don't really care about Ukraine. All right? I, what does Ukraine have to do with for some reason Ukraine is the most important country on the face of the earth. I wonder who's getting rich off of this. Somebody's getting rich off of this. Whether it's Ukrainian oligarchs, I get it, because you know Hunter Biden has a lot of connections over there. It wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of that money that we've spent over there, because we've spent tens of billions of dollars was ending up in some shell corporation offshore run by Hunter and his uncle Joe or his dad Joe and his uncle Jim. And they're just uh, just waiting, biding their time to be able to get that money. Give me my word as a Biden. Whatever the case, somebody's getting rich off this. And Germany in Germany, it's not very popular because they're seeing doubling, tripling, quadrupling of their energy costs. With winter, this is in summer, with winter coming, it's only going to get worse. So they're not happy. But the government of Germany doesn't give a damn. They don't care what the people of Germany want. Remember, these are all the people, all these leftists, all these progressives. Oh, it's we're a representative democracy, 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 democracy. And any time it goes against what they want, they ignore the will of the people. They just overrun it. They used to sue. Now they're less into suing. They just simply ignore it. Will of the people. Oh, we've got, uh, we'll just forgive student loan debt. Majority of people say, this is ridiculous. This is not, this is not cool. I, I paid my bills. I don't want nah, to, screw it. I don't care what you want. It helps me politically. It gets me three percentage points in that vote. So that's all I give a damn about. So the German foreign minister is a woman named... Annalena Baerbock, Baerbock, B-A-E-R-B-O-C-K, all one word. Uh, Annalena Baerbock, she was at a conference recently, and the idea of war with Ukraine and uh, the the sending of aid and the sanctions on Russia and the ever-increasing... price of energy in germany and the scarcity of the energy in germany is coming up now, remember her life won't be impacted at all she's a member of the green party by the way over there in germany uh so environmentalist uber Alles, they don't really give a damn about it. Look, if some people gotta the germans already don't if you, if some people gotta die some people gotta die is a very very german attitude but uh Green Party on top of it, if some people have to die in the name of environmentalism, so be it. So be it, and all the better. Um, so besser. Auf Deutsch. But uh, listen to Annalena Baerbock talk about, you know, it's it's Ukraine uber alles instead of Germ- Deutschland uber alles, which, you know, not not what you want out of your politicians.
3: But if I give the promise to people in Ukraine, we stand with you as long as you need us, then I want to deliver. No matter what my German voters think, but I want to deliver to the people of Ukraine. And this is why for me it's important to be always very frank and clear. And this means every measure I'm taking, I have to be clear that this holds on as long as Ukraine needs me.
0: I don't care what the German people think. This will, my undying love for Ukraine, I will forever keep spinning. And so you cannot heat your home. You cannot keep your family warm. You should have bought another blanket. What do you want from me? Ukraine needs me. Were you elected foreign minister of Ukraine? Or were you not elected for, were you elected foreign, or appointed foreign minister of Germany? Now, think about this. Think about the Biden administration. Do you really believe that the Biden administration puts what's best or in the best interest or what Americans want over what Ukrainians want? Have you gotten that? Since they're calling for another bunch of billion dollars, billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars, we need more aid for Ukraine. What happened to the other ones? All right, we've sent, Ukraine has been sent almost the equivalent of our military budget. In aid, we have. They have more ammunition than we do. We don't have enough ammunition. Our military is saying, "Warning, hey, we don't have enough ammunition." Maybe we should sit there and go, "Well, what are you doing with this ammunition?" Because we were prepared for two simultaneous wars. You know, that was what we prepared for, and we don't have enough uh, ammunition for that currently. You're dealing with a small border skirmish, which seems like a big deal. I'm not downplaying it to how it is to you, but it is a lot less than what we were planning for. Why is it that we're running short, and you're running around saying we're not doing enough? Huh? Anybody want to explain that? It'd be nice if somebody explained that, just to put a fine point on it. Annalena Baerbock, Deutschland foreign minister, re-hammers the point that she cares more about Ukraine. She must, there must be so many people getting rich off of this. She cares more about Ukraine than the German people.
3: We are facing now a winter time where we will be challenged as democratic politicians. People will go on the street and say, we cannot pay our energy prices. And I will say, yes, I know, so we help you with social measures. But I don't want to say, okay, then we stop the sanctions against Russia. We will stand with Ukraine and this means the sanctions will stay also in winter time, even if it gets really tough for politicians.
0: We will stay no matter what, they say. No matter what. We will bury our German people in the name of saving Ukraine. Ukraine uber alles. Enough with the Deutschland. Ukraine uber alles. What the hell is going on over there? What makes Ukraine so damn special? That so many of these Western countries are willing to go and blow... Well, maybe it's because Ukraine is so wildly corrupt and has been forever that all of them have their little greedy tentacles in there, and they're going, now Now we're getting even richer. This is We just need to keep this going for a while longer. Population control through death, and uh, they get rich in the process. It's got to be something. We're out of time for today. I appreciate the use of your ears. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow.